Hey guys, welcome to my new interview series. Uh, my name is Adam Ponophobia Cogswell. You are listening to Interview with Pone or Interviews with Pone. I don't even know the name of my own series. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm sitting here today with Monty Cristo, uh, Christopher Michaels. How you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to talk with you again. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a spell. For those of you who don't know, uh, Monty and I go way back. Uh, yeah, Monty, Monty's the reason I started podcasting for League of Legends. So, uh, no, you were doing it before we met. That's fair, but I had only like two episodes to about. You're, you're the you help propel with GG Chronicle. Huh? We'll put it that way. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to bring Monty on because if you guys have listened to the other shows, uh, I've been bringing video game developers on, people in esports, etc., and kind of talking about their careers. And I thought Monty had such a storied career, and plus he's been a really good friend over the years that it'd be great to sit down and talk with him about how he got started. Uh, oh shoot, I forgot all about your stuff with Warcraft uh, Three and and Freak and all yeah. that too. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I started in esports in like 2004. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I don't know how many people know that you. I mean, did you? It was Warcraft three started with, right? Yeah, uh, I didn't know esports really existed, and then I was really heavily laddering and got up to some pretty high ranks on the Warcraft three ladder. Uh, and then I found this site called WC Replays, which is where Freak came from as well in League of Legends. And uh, Kim Fon, who is known as Bunny, who was an esports manager at Blizzard for like 15 years. She, she left within, I think, about the past year or so. But she's still in esports. Uh, she owned the site and was not affiliated with Blizzard at the time. And I realized that there was this whole professional scene. So then I started watching replays and I started casting uh, ESL's WC3L League, oftentimes with Freak. Um, so that's kind of how I got things started. And then I ended up in 2005 managing the Warcraft three division of Verge gaming, which was Matt Marcoux, who is currently the commissioner of Madden leagues, uh, professional team back in the day. So that's how I kind of got into everything. Do you remember, I'm sure you do. How did that all go with professional teams in 2005? Because we didn't really see streaming services like Twitch and owned until what, 2010? Yeah, it was much, yeah, it was much later. Uh, Basically Warcraft three was run off of, so why people are called shoutcasters is because shoutcast was the plugin for Winamp that we used to do radio style broadcasts because you couldn't watch them live. You had to wait till the replay came out. So if you wanted to follow the matches live, it was basically radio. And that's why casters are called shoutcasters now is because that Winamp plugin. And then uh, later on, instead of a streaming service, there was a client that you could download called WOG TV. And what that would do is in the custom games tab, like the LAN games tab of Warcraft 3, it would create sort of like a, a virtual network. And it would, because, this is very complicated, because Warcraft 3 replays are all basically XY commands on a time scale, right? So if I click on this XY coordinate and I hit this button at one minute and one second and however many milliseconds, it gets recorded. And so what a replay is is kind of the game playing itself on a list of directions. Mm -hmm. So there would be somebody observing the game. So the casters would be observing the game, and then there would be a WOG TV streamer who is observing the game. And if you had the client, you could go into your custom games, and you could watch it live-ish with a slight delay. But it was basically the game playing itself uh, according to the commands that the pro players were issuing. So it was like a simulation of that inside your client. 
It's pretty cool. That's actually really <laughs> so cool. that's how people used to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I played Warcraft 3 about the same time that you were playing, but I was doing all the custom games, so I didn't really get into the professional scene. Uh, I do remember a lot of those hacks and slash type of things people would put together. Um, you know, kind of they had the clan bots. You could you could play with Winamp. Oh, yeah. You could do, you know, pull up website URLs. You could get to the forums, all that kind of stuff, right? So it was a lot more... Uh, I don't know why tonight's word is like grassroots, but that's just what it's coming. And it's like, it was much more hack and slashy back, you know, back in the day than it is now. I mean, that was what was fun about it too. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot more fun doing things like that. I, we, we used to have fun because we'd have the Warcraft three um, bot in our, in our clan channel and people would screw with my Winamp player when I'm playing the game. So, you know, I'd get random, <laughs> random music. They, you know, type a number in and then it plays whatever. But, uh, so that was Warcraft three, obviously started there. And then, I'm assuming through moving through Warcraft three and whatever 2009, 2010 hits and league of legends, right? Well, I, yeah, after that I did. So I was with the team sportscast network TSN, which was, there were kind of two, there were kind of two different competing, uh, casting services. So one was radio ITG, which was run by DJ wheat. And the other one was called the team sportscast network. Um, and I worked with a guy named Bridger and uh, D-Man was on there, but he's doing Battlefield at the time and I didn't really know him, but I was doing RTS. So I did Company of Heroes with them and Rise of Nations, Rise of Legends, which are probably games that most people didn't play. Um, so I was doing some casting and mostly audio commentary. So what audio commentaries are is back in the day with RTS, you download a replay file and then you download an MP3 and then you'd sync them and sort of watch a replay with audio commentary. Sure. So Freak did a bunch of those for WCR, WC replays as well. Um, so I was doing some other RTS games. And then what happened was my college roommate ended up being at Riot and being one of their first, I don't know, 50 or 60 employees. And after I graduated college in 2009, I wasn't doing much. So he said, hey, come to LA. I'm working for this company called Riot Games. This is before they released League. And I basically just crashed with him for a week and went into Riot's office every day. And they knew that I knew esports, and I was really the first person that Riot had talked to about esports. Um, so I talked to Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill, the president and CEO, sat down with them for a long time, uh, discussed uh, many of the many of the things about League of Legends that I thought would make a great esport. They asked me if I thought it was going to be good. I said yes. I think this game is going to be amazing. I was never really a big Dota player, so I played some Dota, uh, but not a lot. And I really just fell in love with League of Legends. And then after that, uh, I sort of, I was watching GSL at the time and StarCraft, but I wasn't really active in the esports scene. And then I ended up, when, when the tournament started getting bigger, since I had written for WC Replays, I said, well, why don't I make a site uh, to do journalism? And I had, you know, I was going to invest my own money into it because uh I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I always loved esports, so I decided, hey, might as well just put some of my extra money in this because I was working at a law firm and I had made that decision to have extra money to do things and pursue things. So I did that, and that's where we met through GG Chronicle. Right. It's kind of funny. This is a great trip through memory lane because I had forgotten. About it. I'd forgotten the law firm and the you know you start thinking the friends and everybody, right? So for me, so excuse me, anybody out there listening, if I if I take a moment because it really is a trip through memory lane. For me with this all. Yeah, it was a really good time. I mean, I think for Gigi Chronicle, like 
it you know i was paying for a lot of the costs all the costs that went yeah. into it and the ideal was for a bunch of people to volunteer and like raise their status and like be able to do more and more within the esports community so you were part of that with the trinity force podcast which is great yeah. um yeah, well, we found, so, well we brought in a whole bunch of people uh you know oh, Trin yeah. trinity force brought in uh dominic helped out because he was helping out travis yep. Grafford doing the uh he was editing for travis at the time when he was writing articles um obscura um we brought uh -huh. him in as well and then eventually that moved on even further over bringing in um uh why can't i think of his tag he shoutcast now for the european division of league uh dracos yep uh, he eventually came in. There was other ones. Emily, uh, she came in too. Uh, Emily she, Rand, who works yeah. for ESPN now. Um, yeah, Optimus Tom, who works for mm -hmm. Riot now. Yeah, there were there were a bunch of people. So it was it was just sort of a community of of people who were passionate about making content, and so we could get it all on one platform and get everybody's eyes on it. And I think it was successful towards that end. I think it was too, and that was what's great. And I still think it could be happen today. You know, I'm kind of trying to wrap this back around to things people can do or ideas they can do because I still think you can you can kind of start that website. You can get those people. You know? I mean, but what makes to, me what makes right. me fucking annoyed is uh -huh. that I I still think our final idea like the problem is we didn't have the money to like really you know we needed right. like fifty grand to really develop <laughs> like a top tier website right and that was the problem. But I think if you look at what could have been done and our final idea was trying to get it into a position where it could be an a, a content aggregator so what we wanted was the front page to have like basically approved content creators could submit or it would scrape for the articles because the problem we were running to on reddit is that there was a lot of great content that just wasn't getting upvoted because it wasn't easy to consume so what we wanted to do was create a curated front page of content that was approved and that was deemed high quality and unfortunately we could never really get that working but i still think i still want that to exist <laughs> it's annoying that it doesn't exist even now yeah it was hard to get it to you know, get it right. And I think we were using the wrong platform at the time because we were trying to build it off sure. of WordPress. And um, having moved forward with like Trinity Force, for example, we our back end is off uh, Django or Django. I can never say it, but it's, you know, it was fully custom module and modular. And I had to dump big money in the back end to make mine work. Right? And, <laughs> yes. You know, just, just to get it to the point where I wanted it. And it's not even where I wanted it. You know, I, I was having, I wanted custom communities and all that. You know, you could subscribe yeah. to people's RSS feeds, kind of the same idea, but moving it over to a podcast platform. Uh, either way, you know, the things worked out in different ways, but I always liked the idea behind GG Chronicle, that custom forum, that really heavily moderated forum that yeah. wasn't Reddit, where people could discuss esports and stuff. That, and, you know, unfortunately, it never took off again, likely because of lack of funding over anything else. Definitely not passion. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all worked really hard on that, but I think it, I was successful for what it was. It's just super hard to, to try and make a business, I think, out of esports journalism. It's just a nightmare. That's why so many people have failed. Well, it's also hard, right? Because I, there's a big movement that, you know, don't work for free. And our the model kind of was work for free, work for exposure. And I, I worked for free in esports for eight years. I, I know. And I did, too. I've worked for free <laughs> basically my entire time, right? And, but <laughs> there's such a big movement of don't work for free, don't work for exposure. And, I, and to an extent, I agree. But also to an extent, if you love something so much, you kind of have to, right? You, you have to put your weight behind it. You have to put the time behind it. Not Money's just not going to be thrown at your face because you're, you think you're good. You have to prove to somebody you're good. You have to get somebody has to discover you. And to do that, you have to work for free. 
Yeah, I didn't look honestly. I didn't even think I would ever like full time working in esports was never my goal. I never even thought it would happen. I just did it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. That was it. So, well, so speaking of loving it, we had loved League of Legends <laughs> so much at that point. Do you do you remember the first tournament we ever put on the GG? Oh Classic? yeah, of course. Yeah, it was great. And was the GG was it GG Classic one or two that we brought M five over at the time? Or, or the, the second one. You mean the Taipei Assassins? No, we brought Taipei Assassins. We also brought the Russians uh, over. I can't. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a bunch of the teams that were in Korea and then in Asia at the time playing remotely. Right. Because that was when CLG was also in Korea doing the OGN stuff. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, so that was GG Classic 2. Because I, I can remember GG Classic 1. Uh, we had Dignitas in it. That was when Scara was playing full-time, you know, as the mid laner. Mm-hmm. And I can, and uh, St. Vicious as well was playing. And we had yep. them. And we had we set up an um, ICQ, or not ICQ, uh, what's the word? IRC channels yep. for them. And we had people <laughs> we monitoring the channels. And that's how we got people in. Because there was no such thing as, you know, Skype sucked. People use Skype, but it wasn't great for putting people together. Discord would have been great at the time. God, Discord would have been awesome. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I've I, never been able to, to tell this. organizing during <laughs> using IRC. That's true. We that used IRC. Annoying. I just... <laughs> I have to tell the story because I've never told anybody, but I can remember trying, like, getting everybody there and trying to get all the teams together, and somebody messaging me and be like, Scara just got up. He needs us to po- postpone for an hour and a half. And I can remember bitching to you for, like, an hour straight yeah. about how unprofessional <laughs> this is. These teams are supposed to be, you know, like... <laughs> and there's these 18-year-old kids that were just trying to get together to play for, like, a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. It was, it was a time of transition because the seriousness... I mean... When we were broadcasting that, you know, I was broadcasting that to like 40,000 concurrent viewers unowned out of my apartment in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. which, you know, at the time was enormous. But the professionalism really hadn't caught up to where the esports scene was at that time. Right. Right. Um, Because the viewership was huge especially by the standards then but everything had just happened so fast in league of legends and everything had gotten big so quickly that yeah it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't i guess really seen as seriously i just don't yeah you know we get this out there people are watching it they and they wonder why delays are happening and whatnot and now it's much more (laughs) it's much much random much better (laughs) now that you have organizers and managers and other people (laughs) in the backstage doing it but yeah back in the day it was Hey, can you go poke him? He's in the other room, right? Like, messing these people have no idea how to use technology. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And it, it, I mean, that's how I was used to it, I guess, because like that's how I had always organized tournaments going back to the very early days of esports. So, I mean, it was scrappy, but I was used to just doing it everything ourselves. So, us having to, you were casting it too, mm-hmm. and we were having to cast and do tor- tournament organization at the same time. And considering that, I actually think it went pretty smoothly. I think it went well. I mean, we were able to do a GG Classic 2 with more sponsors, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is, you know, and this again, this is about you, not so much about GG Chronicle, but this is uh, pertinent because I, I mean, believe it's a huge that, part of what I, you know, my right? life. So <laughs> the, the whole GG Classic thing, that really, that helped you get your foot in the store with, uh, what was it? Uh, MLG. MLG, thank you. I want to keep on saying MLG yeah. Arena. MLG, because you casted at MLG for the summer. Yeah. And that was. Because they put out a call for league casters who were living in New York. So Optimus Tom and I were both living in the New York area at, the, at that point. Was so that Will it Chilbert was easy. Too? For, 
Uh, Chobra randomly ended up because he was waiting outside the building for some MLG Dr. Pepper contest. And so he basically intercepted to be like the Dr. Pepper ultimate fan. He was like waiting outside the MLG offices all day. And because he was bilingual, that was Azubu Blaze had just come. They were the first Korean team to compete in North America, and they were at the MLG summer event in New York. And so he was just standing on the street, and then he saw them coming in and started talking to them in Korean. And they invited him up to help translate for the team because they didn't have a Korean translator on site. And then that's how he got involved with everything, too. It's pretty funny. Wow. I'm interviewing him in a few weeks. I'm going to have to ask him about that because that's right place, right time, right? I mean, it's, it's a great story, right? Like he, I, I think that's really important. And people always ask me, how do I get involved in esports? I'm like, just go to shit, you know, because oh, going yeah. to shit and like just showing up is so incredibly important because um, you just need to get that FaceTime in. And people are really friendly for the most part in esports. Everybody was started this because they were a fan and they wanted to give back to the community and they were just so passionate about it. So people are pretty chill in general. Yeah, I agree. Just go to there, bring a camera with you, just go and a microphone, right? And just, just talk to people. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've gone to packs before without packs or passes and just walked up to developers. Hey, I got a camera. Can I interview you? And, yep. they, and they let you do it. I totally agree. So I agree with that. So I'm not going to harp too much on the MLG stuff, but that really, that was like the, turning point wasn't it because after that there was uh, OGN put out looking for shoutcasters right yes what happened there was that they were M uh, OGN so Torch the former he works at Blizzard now uh, Trevor Houston he was a former Starcraft professional gamer and he had started casting Starcraft and then he moved on to casting League for OGN but uh, he his he was in a long-term relationship, which he's still in. Um, and he came back to the States as a result of wanting a new job, um, you know, not wanting to be apart from his long-term partner. And so I knew him from an interview that I had done at PAX, actually speaking of PAX, uh, when there was the North American Finals for Worlds. And he happened to be there. And so... Um, I was one of the people who spoke to OGN about possibly going and casting there and did some Skype interviews and everything like that. And they decided that they wanted to hire me. So I had two weeks to move to Seoul. <laughs> <laughs> I had never been there before, but I had grown up watching OGN Starcraft. And I guess my thought process was, well, um, this is kind of a dream come true in terms of my life and my passion and watching Korean esports. So uh, I better just fuck it and leave. So I gave my two weeks notice at the law firm. It was during Hurricane Sandy. It was crazy. I had to finish a bunch of project projects and then uh, I moved out there. So how does that all work? I'm sure it's different now if they were to go out and you know, look for a caster, but at the time, were they paying for your relocation? Were they helping you get upset up or was it kind of like be here in two weeks and we'll, you know, talk about it. <laughs> I mean, they got me a visa. They did help me, uh, locate an apartment, um, that kind of stuff. So they were helpful. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, here's your job offer. Show up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, I, <laughs> I've moved thousands of miles across the United States. Right. It, but that's all in America. I just couldn't imagine getting my visa and going, thousands of miles like over the over the sea yeah it would but you know i was i was young i was like 26 
So it seemed like, fuck it. This is an adventure. How many times am I getting an opportunity like this? It would be really stupid not to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what's time like over there? What What was the, again, this is still kind of like New Frontier, right? Because it was season three, four of League? Yeah, it was before LCS started. So it was the end of 2012. So LCS didn't start until spring of 2013. So I had already completed a season of of OGN before LCS even began. Um, yeah, it was great. I, OGN was by far at the time the best production in the world. Uh, LCS was in a converted mechanics garage in... <laughs> at Los Angeles and it was kind of just shitty. One of the funniest things that ever happened was that for some reason, like halfway through the year, they just insisted that Doa and I come out to Los Angeles. Okay. And they never told us why they literally took us. And so Chobra was covering for some of our broadcasts because riot just said, you must come out here. Now bear in mind that riot does not employ us and was not paying us. But we're like, okay, fine. We'll go deal with this bullshit. Let's go talk to Riot. So we go there thinking that eventually someone's going to give us an explanation as to why we are there. Right. So we go to their studio and their studio is just so sad compared to the OGM <laughs> studio. And there's like, they're showing us how they work. And it's just like, I don't know. It would be, it, you know, it would be like being taken from the NFL to like, a college football broadcast. And okay. you're like, shouldn't you be coming to my broadcast and looking at how it's done and has been done for 20 years at a professional television level? But no. So we just kind of ended up there and we stayed there for a week and they showed us stuff and we never, ever actually understood why we had gone there. So you got there. There Was there any itinerary or anything? Or was it just kind of like, hey, come down to the our small studio in the garage and just hang out? Yeah. And they were like, can you go to the meetings and see how our casters do things? We're like, okay. And we did. Do you, do you think they expected you guys to come out with like, and say, Hey, this is how we do it. And this is how we, think I mean, we, we talked about it. that kind of stuff too, but it's just weird because there wasn't an agenda. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like right. you go someplace and you expect, Oh, let's talk about how we do things. No, they, they like wanted us to shadow the LCS casters hmm. for reasons that I still don't understand. Yeah. I'm so that was a weird time. That. Like, well, what, what reason time. without like, <laughs> hey, this is why you're here. I, I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to get to know us. I I don't know. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess it worked out. You got to <laughs> fly to America and be jet lagged for a week. Like, congratulations, uh, right? Good times. Good times. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I, got, I had a little better experience. I got flown out to Riot and there was kind of an agenda. I got stuck in a room with Freak. He insulted me. Mm -hmm. I insulted him. It was good times. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like most interactions with Freak. <laughs> <laughs> and then I left thinking, man, Freak, you're, you're, you're kind of a jerk. And like, <laughs> I tell him, I'm like, yeah, he's kind of a jerk. He, he insulted me for being plat one at the time. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. I'm a That's just a sense fan. of humor. <laughs> but I know. I, I laughed about it and, and, you know, just kind of walk away from it. But that was what it was. And But yeah, mine had a little more of an agenda than that. Um, so... I, this is where I get a little fuzzy, right? Because I felt like you were in Korea forever, just five years and yeah. going through. Yeah, five years. That's a that's a long time. And and yeah. you went through the whole transition from it actually becoming, you know, being its own OGN thing to then owned by Riot or the broadcast. Owned by I was Riot, not right? there for that. I okay. left 
before that happened. That's where, see, that's why I said my. That's actually one of the reasons I did leave. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, so, what's it like in the back end? Because I know you casted Worlds, right? And you casted it when it was, you know, fairly large or it was one of the bigger broadcasts at the time. And it, what's it like being backstage, being in front of the Worlds, being in front of all those people, you know, actually doing some kind of like broadcast shoutcasting, uh, you know, live like that? I mean, it was really good. And, and jokes aside about what I said about Riot's like real super shitty studio, they did level up pretty fast and they did improve. And like the production quality, you know, now is significantly improved from what it was clearly. Um, but Worlds was, I think 2013 Worlds was really kind of a watershed moment for esports. It was extremely important because it was sort of the arrival of esports in the West. Because for the first time ever in the West, like, a, st- a stadium the size of the Staples Center s- just sold out. And you have to remember that that was less than a year and a half from when we were doing those GG Classic tournaments for 40,000 concurrent people. So this thing was just a fucking rocket. Like, it was crazy. I, th- um, I think we were still running GG Chronicle at that time, right? Was that GG <laughs> we Chronicle yeah, yeah. version 2 and doing this? We yeah. were doing, like, the live yeah. updating and stuff? Yeah, and I, I think, like, that was just such an impressive impressive experience um so i i i was really surprised and i guess that was kind of the moment that esports arrived in in north america more or less uh so production was you know very good at the time for that event uh it was incredibly interesting to be a part of i enjoyed myself good so that was the year that you did the sk T1 or SKT T1 hype train, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That that was that whole the whistle and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, uh, I believe Crepo was part of the the shout and double lift. Yeah, and double lift, right? So when that all comes about, because let me take a step back here. I kind of remember at that time when we're going through the esports is that Riot was trying to be super professional about things, and you guys were having a lot of fun over here at OGN, right? Like just having there was you yeah, know, and and you kind of brought that over to the Riot side of things, and it was kind of not unprecedented, but just like different because everybody couldn't, you couldn't make jokes. You couldn't, you couldn't, you know, be yourself. And suddenly here you are with your whistle. Was that like pre-planned? Did you have to talk to them to do that? Or did it just kind of like, Hey, I'm doing it on stream. Good luck. So I did tell them that I was doing it and they knew that I, so none of the people on that desk, I was very careful in rehearsals not to do it. Okay. Because I told them sort of basically what I was going to do but not entirely because I wanted the reactions to be genuine. And I think that whenever I do like one of those bits that I've done many times over the years, I try and like hide what's happening so that no one else knows what I'm doing so that it becomes, you know, the reactions are real and it feels more fun. Uh, so they sort of had an idea of what I was going to do, but not really. Sure. Um, and that was sort of like a, it's hard because the producers also don't, know how it's going to go and for them to trust me to pull something like that off at a world final was <laughs> you know right. took a level of trust that i appreciate from them <laughs> um but yeah i think it wasn't that the lcs wasn't having fun it's just that those i think that those casters were just so new because you have to remember that i spent 15 years acting mm-hmm. so i have a theater background and i have an improv background and so me doing that it comes very naturally whereas those guys were so fresh to being on camera that i just don't think they knew how to do that yet i think they've learned over the years 
but I just think that they didn't they didn't have that same expertise. You make a good. And point. I think the same thing is true of Dola at the time too on the OGM broadcast because remember he had been casting StarCraft in Korea for years. So every all the Riot casters were some of them had broadcast previously but not you had to be in Korea to get the level of practice that at the time because that was the only place where you were in studio multiple days a week doing these shows. It was the only place on earth. <laughs> so right. if you weren't there, you could have been shoutcasting. Like Riv was an FBS caster or Quickshot was casting COD. Like they did have experienced people, but that that experience is really, really different or was really different at the time compared to being in Korea. Do you think part of it also has to play into personalities? Because uh, I think something that I've noticed a lot is that people – to to make a personality kind of like a double lift, right? You kind of have to come out of your shell and not be so much of just a, a gamer and and learning to <laughs> learning sure. to learning to you know uh, uh, harness that, right? Because I'd always said that I want to see the Kale Sonnen of of League of Legends. I want that person that just trash talks. I don't care how good or bad they are, they just trash talk, and we sure. you know and we we laugh about it. We press the like smash the like button. And double lift did that, and yeah. And, broadcasters and whatnot do you think there's like a level of like a type of person or personality that's that or do you think that's a learned something that can, can be learned by these people and needs to be taught i don't know and the reason why i can't say that is because i started acting when i was eight so i don't really remember my life before i was on stage and okay. i don't really know how much of that was the training that i received because i was in colorado where i grew up i was part of like a private theater company for 10 years and then I did theater in college. So I don't really remember a time before I was performing. Um, so I don't know who or what I would have been without that. I can say that it was enormously effective in terms of being able to have the skills that lend themselves to casting. And also in particular, the really memorable moments, because there are a lot of casters and there are a lot of people who have great analysis but I think what's different about me is that I have a level of performance, on-camera performance, that is unusual. Uh, and that's what many producers have told me over the years is that I differ in that fashion. So I don't know if I would have gotten that as the answer without those experiences. And I don't know whether that's something that other people, it's a learned thing or it's a natural thing. I just want to, if we are sitting right next to you, I'd just be fist bumping you the entire time. Cause I'm like, yes, I'm saying all the things that I've been saying for years. Right? I just don't know. I just don't know. Like, right, like just, just be yourself. Just be stupid. Right. Don't, don't be annoying, but just be fun. Make people want to well, like you. I think that's the key. I think that's the key because, well, I mean, a lot of people don't like my on-camera personality because it's abrasive, but it is interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of people, a lot of the reaction that, I sometimes get is like, oh, you're so nice in person. I'm like, yeah, you do realize like you don't think that Joffrey in Game of Thrones is actually an evil child, do you? Like you you are capable to a certain degree of telling reality from fiction. Um, sometimes it seems like people aren't. Um, you would hope, but yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it's a bunch of kids most of the time watching esports, so they kind of take things at face value. They probably believe WWE is real and shit. I don't know. Um but hey, my point hey, is, hey, is that can we not, let's not let you know. Be, WWE all you want. That's a whole other story I, for another time. <laughs> I, I like WWE. It's fine. I, I enjoy wrestling. But um, I think that 
yeah, it's it's obviously an exaggerated version of my personality um, and it's played up, but I am a combative person naturally. But, you know, the conflict uh, creates interest on the desk. Like I and also there's there's casting Monte Cristo and there's desk Monte Cristo. And those are two very different things, because on the desk, I don't have to be neutral. I can be ultra biased, be super argumentative. Um, focus on just one or two things that I want to focus on as opposed to being a caster where you have to be more neutral. Um, you know, make it not about you. Whereas on the desk, it can be entirely about you. Um, right. But I think one of the things that I really learned is that it didn't matter how many literally thousands of games of League of Legends that I cast and did excellent analysis and basically became a disciple of the game um, because at the end of the day, people were just going to remember me blowing a train whistle or doing other silly shit. Because <laughs> at the at the my point is at the end of the day, entertainment is king, right? Right. Because that's, that's how gifts are made. That's how memes are made, right? Like you have to be entertaining. <laughs> but I, how many times have I seen you in that stupid mustache? Like I just want to rip it off your face. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that's like the picture yeah, I have now. of you right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that wasn't very long lasting. But yeah, the 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 funny thing about that is. Yeah, you know, I can be a good analyst, but for most people, they're not concerned with necessarily the that level of analysis because they just simply don't know the game to that point or like have no comprehension of advanced analysis. So like the analysis just has to be good enough. And then from there, if you can make it fun, I think that's what puts you over the top. I think uh, within the circle outside of talking with you, I think within the Trinity Force Circle, we also always make fun of Quickshot because we also said he just, he knew all the lingo of the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so that's what made him fun to listen to because he could throw out every single ultimate name during the play-by-play -play, and that made it fun to listen to. And the joke was always he didn't know what he was talking about. Now, do I necessarily <laughs> believe it or not? No, it's just ribbing at somebody, right? But <laughs> right. That, that's the type of thing. We're just having fun because he's, he's fun to listen to and he was kind of the first one that came to my head. But something that I would always tell people and podcasting was I want you to go out and go listen to, you know, 10 podcasts, go listen to your radio station and find somebody that you like and try to mimic a trait of theirs, right? Because in, in my mind, if you find something that you are enjoying of somebody and you try to mimic that trait or make the trait similar to that of your own, you're going to be more entertaining because you're building yourself. I'm not building, you know, Monty isn't building OGN. Monty is building Monty. And so he, right. you, know, you found what made you right so yeah and uh, you know it, it took a lot honestly like a lot of the things that i wanted to do i had to fight with especially the riot producers the ogm producers didn't give, give a shit what i did um because we were just a you know we were a secondary broadcast and also they the only thing they cared about it's different it was different because ogn cared about how many people watch the stream because they were a production company right they don't view what they do as marketing, which is what Riot views esports as a marketing arm for a game. OGN is trying to put together the most compelling entertainment product because they don't get money if more people play League of Legends. They get more money if more people watch. Mm -hmm. So as long as I was really popular with the fan base, that's what they cared about. And then they trusted me because I was popular to do things that, like they trusted my creativity. Whereas with Riot, a lot of the times, 
they didn't know me as well. And also they were wary of me because I would do things that the fans liked, like criticizing the game. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't like that because they were immature little bitches. A lot of the time, honestly, (laughs) to be blunt, to be blunt, like they behaved. And I, I I think you have seen this come out over time in many of the articles Mm -hmm. and journalism that has been done about riot. They were basically like a salty little frat house. And I wasn't into that uh, and I didn't care. So, you know, that I think that was problematic for them because they viewed because when they are when they are the game and you're commenting on the game and you are on their broadcast, it becomes unpleasant for them. Right. Um, I do not think that developers should be producing the games. I, I don't think it's good for the esports audience. Uh, but I can't really affect that. No, so. unfortunately I've always, uh, I mean, goal. I can in, in the way that I'm working on a now a team led project where I feel more valued than developer led projects. I've just had very negative experiences when working with developer led projects. Let's put it that way. No, I get it. I understand. It's, you, I've always wanted to, or a goal of mine had always been, and now I don't, I, I'm just going to say now I'll bite the hand that feeds because you know, they don't feed anymore. Uh, Riot kind of, <laughs> they, they removed the feed bag from my mouth years ago, you know? <laughs> and I went, <laughs> and at first, you know, it's like, yeah, but then you make your own way and you, you figure it out. Um, yeah. But at one point I wanted to create a podcast for Riot. And of course they went and they did it on their own and I tried to help Andy Belford with his and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it always seemed like with the developers or this like, you know, you could kind of do your own thing and we might green light it, but we're never really behind these creations like we say we were. And that ha- yep. it seems like that happened with everything that wasn't some higher ups idea. I kind of feel like some higher up said, hey, we're going to make the dive. And everyone's like, that's a great idea. But there's a billion other podcasts out here that are doing the same thing. Right. Same thing with cast- yeah. casters or, or whatever else may be out there. Art- I mean, in my experience, stuff. in my opinion, they should have made the dive years before they actually did it. But- oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That should have been around the same time we started everything with like, you know, they should have been doing articles and, and podcasts and video series yeah. like the moment the LCS hit. <laughs> Yeah, they were not smart. <laughs> they were not smart. And then you have this giant... Now I'm just bitching, but now you have this giant <laughs> talent pool of people out there between GG Chronicle and Trinity Force and you know all these other websites, the Rift, Herald, and I, you know, I mean, millions of them, right? And all these people you could have dipped into, and it feels like they just kind of were like, yeah, you guys are doing your thing. You're, you're peasants. Yeah, that was that was definitely a, a part of their attitude that I found to be a turnoff, for sure. So, enough shitting on Riot. Let's talk about. Uh, is there ever enough of that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can. I've never here, gotten tired of it personally. <laughs> <laughs> I can sit here and bitch about right for the next couple hours because, like I said, they took away everything that I ever did, and it was great. They they propped us up just to shoot us off the pedestal, literally. Just you know, good times. Yeah, good times. Like thanks, guys. Uh, I want to I want to move away from the riot thing. Like, of course, you you decided to leave because the riot controversy and whatnot. Um, what led you to Blizzard at the time? I was, well, first off, uh, I had a very good relationship and still have a very good relationship with Mike Morheim uh, and Amy Morheim, um, and they are no longer at Blizzard. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had worked with Blizzard before casting Warcraft 3 and Starcraft 2, uh, was casting Starcraft 2 in Korea in addition to League of Legends, uh, always wanted to do more Blizzard titles, grew up loving Blizzard. Uh, and then Overwatch was announced. 
And we started, Doe and I started talking to them almost immediately because at this point, like Riot's bullshit was just so tire tiresome you know? <laughs> yeah and so when we started and w- what we wanted to do was like we had always cast other games like doe was casting hearthstone for ogn i was casting vainglory we were both casting starcraft 2 so it was never we were only casting league we were always doing other stuff as well sure. and so we knew that a new blizzard game oh it's an fps it'll be big in korea so we wanted to make sure that we were going to be able to have a crack at, at casting overwatch when it came out and that was you know i think a good opportunity and we found out that they were building out this entire like global league structure sounded extremely ambitious uh and so also i had been waiting in korea because the the eventuality was remember korea is still a a country of only 50 million people so when we discuss the timeline i knew koreans had been the best and would continue to field strong players but in the same way that Korean players go play in the MLB in baseball, they don't stay in the KBO, which is the Korean baseball league. Like Korean players in sports will go to bigger markets. So it was really a game of waiting until the US got big enough in esports in order for it to be a viable option for me to go back. Um, because as an English commentator, that was always going to be the bigger market for me. And so over, uh, Overwatch League, Nate Nanzer, the commissioner, um, you know, Doa and I were one of the first four people alongside with Nate Nanzer and Marissa Palumbo, who's a producer for Team 4, the development team, not for the, the Overwatch League broadcast, uh, were the first kind of people involved in it. And that was a really compelling opportunity to come back to the States. Uh, we were hired as consultants to help build out the creative end of the league to help build out the spectating and the tools that were needed to watch the game. So, you know, I, I don't want to just be a caster. I'm trying to develop my career in other ways in addition to continuing to be on camera. Mm -hmm. And so to have that opportunity was like really valuable to me. Um, and also they were throwing so much money at like I was going to get paid more money. So there was that, um, I was excited about the game. And unfortunately, over the last couple of years, Nate Dancer was very publicly left to join Epic uh, halfway through 2019. And at that point, I kind of realized, like, uh oh. I. I was not pleased with the creative direction of the league, but I was no longer a consultant in 2019. That was 2017 and and 2018. Um, I expressed this to many people. Uh, They decided to ignore me. And I think if you watch Overwatch League today, you will see that there's not a lot of star building, not a lot of uh, feature content, not a lot of shoulder content, just kind of like, is the broadcast running? Yes. And at that point, after we had done such awesome shit, like in season one of Overwatch League, we did the show called Watchpoint, which was a live to tape show where we did skits and it was excellent content. Excellent. And I learned a lot from doing that. But basically everything that was cool about Overwatch League, I just watched slowly get stripped away. Right. And there was no reason to really continue if that's what the direction that they wanted to go with the broadcast, because I had no interest in just casting and not doing anything else. So do you feel, was this the, this was about the same time that he, that he decided to kill heroes of the storm, right? Uh, it was a year later okay. that I left. 
I, yeah, that was I'm sad that they did that. But also remember that, you know, without Mike Morheim, Mike Morheim was no longer the CEO of Blizzard. Um, and Mike and Nate were the people that I and Amy, Amy Morheim, Mike's wife, who ran a bunch of the esports programs. Like these were the people that I trusted. And when all of them were gone, it was not the place that I wanted to be anymore. Sure. I can understand that. Uh, what? So did you work ever alongside any of the heroes, you know, team or casters or hear any, were you privy to any of that information? Cause I've always been a little curious about that whole, what the hell happened with heroes? I mean, I do know what happened with heroes, but I can't really discuss it. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I, understand. I mean, what I will say is I strongly disagree with what happened. Um, I think that after you announce the next year of heroes, you just have to bite the bullet and just pay for the cost and then let people know that it's the last year you're doing this, not string everyone along right. and then suddenly make a decision. Uh, if you can't say anything, it's fine. It's, I, I, it's I, I just, totally get it. You, all I'll say is like, you've seen a lot of people leave Blizzard. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I understand. I think, I think that says what it needs to say. Okay, so explain to me Overwatch here, because I tried. Okay, I tried to play Overwatch, <laughs> but it, sure. And and coming from Lee, you know, dissecting patch notes and understanding all of that, and really, I've tried to take that whole that passion to other games, but it's just never, it's never worked right. And I don't understand Overwatch. I don't understand why this is a great spectator sport. Uh, you know, explain to me what you saw in it, other than the fact that it was getting you to America. I enjoyed playing it. I think most people really enjoyed playing Overwatch when it first came out. It was a really fun arcade shooter. And I think what was compelling about it was at the time, it was a good hybrid of MOBA and FPS. But over time, the MOBA elements took sort of started taking over the more new heroes they introduced um, to the degree that we went to goats, which was the composition that was basically just like two mirror comps who were three tanks and three supports. So it was all about abilities. And that was fascinating, I think, analytically, because it was a very deep strategy, but it was all you ever saw. And also, um, it basically became the world's hardest to watch MOBA. And like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for an FPS. And I think a lot of people signed up for an FPS and that over time was not appreciated by a lot of the fans. I understand that. I tried to watch it a couple times and of course I did play it. Um, it you know, I'm being much different playing it than it is, or excuse me, playing it solo than watching it professionally. Cause I understand that how deep the strategy goes with what you said, but to me it just kind of felt like whoever got their ultimates or whatever they were called first kind of won that round or match, right? Like there was this, good back and forth but you had to understand that to really appreciate the broadcast am i wrong um yeah i mean i i think it's also the problem is is there's very little time uh to do analysis in the game because it's so fast mm. uh so if you like you know it, it's it's hard, it was hard for me because i had to just pick one thing and do analysis of it because there's very little downtime like it's definitely more of a a good game for play-by-play -play casters rather than color casters. Uh, so I think that was tricky. Um, and so there was never, uh, yeah, I, I, it was just, I think that it still has obvious, like it's very difficult. It's the most difficult game I've ever had to cast. It's extremely difficult to observe and watch 
Uh, it's not the ease of, of watching is not great clearly. Um, but I didn't know if those issues would be overcome or how the, how everything would change as the developers develop the game. And it just, I just don't think it went in the best direction it could have. Gotcha. So, so the way, what it sounds like if there was less mobile elephants, more FPS elements, it would have been easy. And the people maybe but it, liked but, it maybe would have been <laughs> a little larger than it was. Yeah. I mean, it was big. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, if objectively, if you look at the viewership for Overwatch League in its first two years of competition, it was, in fact, like the most viewed channel on Twitch last year. Um, so it wasn't small by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't like the same world beater, enormous esports explosion that um league of legends was when it came out it didn't radically change the market um and because we had so many resources available to us we really had it was an impressive level of production and it was good to be a part of i think um but it was also just time to go at this at this stage of things uh, yeah, I always did love love the production. Blizzard does put on a good show. Between the Hearthstone, I've watched a lot of Hearthstone streams. Oh yeah, and whatnot. And I always I loved uh, watching like Brian Kibler, you know, talk. Oh yeah, he's a friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> he's Brian's great. Brian's great. I love. I, I would yeah, love to best. talk. To him, so <laughs> yeah, I, might to, I might have to hit you up later and ask him to. Yep, come to LA. We'll have a dinner. <laughs> I'm not too far away. I'm, I'm actually probably going to visit LA, so I, I will I will hit you up uh, and take that. That's uh, very doable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. It, so I, I really did always appreciate Blizzard for what they did. Again, I loved Hearthstone. Uh, I tried to watch Overwatch. And Heroes of the Storm, I got into that uh, yeah. a little bit because I had a friend playing it. I, um, and I'm really sad to see the way that Blizzard had gone. Uh, like you, I grew up playing Blizzard games, Warcraft and Diablo and all that. And and we've come a long shot from Blizzard of 2005. I think as a Blizzard fan, many Blizzard fans have had this experience where it's just like, shit i guess i just have to come to terms with the fact that this isn't what i grew up with and that's how those are just going to be now um it's not pleasant i think because so many of us have like such amazing childhood memories of blizzard but you can't change reality i guess and uh i think the company is no longer what it was because a lot of the leadership has left and it's it's a really different place now right so let's let's talk about monty nowadays right monty 2020 you've you've moved on to do the freelancing (laughs) stuff well not freelancing i work full-time at cloud nine oh i'm sorry that's right you did move over to cloud nine i apologize uh uh, you you moved on to do your how about this you moved on to do your own thing what you wanted to do right and and now you're creating content i did see that out there you have your own uh, video podcast yeah yeah back to doing summoning insight so that's fun uh, but that's that's just one part of what I'm doing these days. Uh, I intend to build out a, a broader content platform for Cloud9. Uh, we're building a studio in Santa Monica right now. Uh, so we'll be using that for a bunch of content and fun stuff. Uh, I'm working on Flashpoint, which is this Counter-Strike League, and I'm doing a lot of the producing and, and uh, helping with the creative direction with Thorin on that one. Uh, so it's kind of what I wanted to do at it, it. I mean, it's not kind of, it is what I wanted to do at Overwatch League, which is have it, a lot of creative control 
within the space. And so that has been honestly really nice. And because it's a league owned by the owners and I just don't think I can work with developers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like they're great at making games, but please just, please just fuck off when it comes to like knowing how to broadcast or knowing esports fan bases. It, you know, it's, they don't know what they're doing. Like just stick to doing what you know how to do, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of annoying. Um, but now, uh, the, the, t- the, the owners collectively own flashpoint, this league, they trust not only me and Thorin, but many other people as well who have been professional counter-strike commentators for many years to sort of have a, the best read on the audience and kind of have a lot of control over the creative direction. So that's what I'm working on a lot right now, uh, because we are going to be launching that broadcast and I'll probably be desk hosting or, or, uh, doing shows for that, not casting. But I, I kind of just want to do shows these days because I'm sick of doing things under other people's creative vision. And I don't really have to do that at my mm-hmm. this point in my career. Like, I just want to make shit my way. And Cloud9 wants me to do that. And I want to do that. So it's working. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I, I love this whole story from... You know, guy just playing in his apartment in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> living living in L.A. and doing what the that's the worst part. Living in L.A. is the worst part for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell that to my wife? I've talked to two or three people now that have all said the same thing. I fucking oh, it's horrible. In California, and my wife wants oh, to horrible. move out to California. And I'm like, D- no, you you live in Colorado. Like, yes, I want to move to Colorado. <laughs> tell her that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I tell her. I'm like, you you just you live here. We can afford to live here. Just stay. Right? <laughs> I think I think Colorado's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I would prefer to live there, but yeah, I don't. You know, sometimes you don't have total control over that situation, which I certainly don't, because unfortunately, uh, esports is there's just too much to do in esports here to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's okay, but definitely would prefer prefer to do other things. Or as live long other as you places. Can make ends meet, right? And, and <laughs> yeah, that's really. What I mean, and that is do. that is to be fair one of the problems of living in California, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just ridiculously expensive. Uh, keeps keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna clip this. I'm gonna put it on my wife's phone. Like, listen, just just listen to it. It's too fucking expensive. Like, you think it's expensive here? Just let's go <laughs> yeah, just uh, double it, and then you'll get an idea. Right. Exactly. And so so yeah, it's it, it's it's fine though. Um, but yeah, I I think that's. The, the news, having the studio and having these opportunities available is really important. And Cloud9 has been really supportive and they, they treat, they treat the casters working on the Flashpoint project better than the casters get treated by anyone else, I think, uh, in terms of really listening to us and, uh, taking our feedback and impl- hopefully implementing our ideas. There's no reason that that shouldn't happen. Uh, considering we're starting the broadcast in a few weeks. But I think Flashpoint is going to be really interesting because all of us have said we want to make an esports broadcast for adults. Like, we're tired of Disney bullshit. Like, we're going to make a Counter-Strike League, and it's going to be like UFC. It's going to be that level of, you know, we want trash talking. We want banter. Uh, We want to encourage these things within the project. And we think Counter-Strike is a great space to do that in. And I'm a hu- I've am always been a huge Counter-Strike fan. Um, 
I just didn't have a way to work in the game because I lived in Korea where they don't play Counter-Strike. Right. Uh, and then I, to get back to the States, I was working on Overwatch League and I never really had an in, but I'm very good friends with many of the casters and people like Bardolph and DDK and Anders and Moses and um, have all been contributing a lot in terms of the creative ideas around this product. And so I think it's going to be really interesting for the fans. It's, gonna be, it's certainly going to be weird and it's certainly going to be unique. Uh, so I would encourage people to watch it just generally, just even if you don't know Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is, by the way, the easiest game eSport to watch and requires no knowledge because if you know what real-world AK-47s and pistols are, then you <laughs> that you already know enough um, because you'll get hyped by a dude with a pistol killing a guy with a sniper rifle because you have real-world knowledge. So it's super easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's I, very, the pacing is perfect. I agree with that. I know nothing about Counter-Strike. I had to be taught kind of how to play the game and I'm still super noob at it but it's fun to watch like it's oh just, yeah it's it's just, it, it's, and that's why that's why everyone watches it like I have this theory that I think is true which is that if you're a fan of any other esport you also watch Counter-Strike um, because it's so easy to understand like and the majors get such huge viewership for a game that frankly doesn't have that many players like if you compare Counter-Strike player base with League player base and yet you will see a million concurrent viewers watching a CS major final on right. Twitch so everyone watches it. It's the esport that everybody watches. <laughs> I just I just appreciate the pros for what they are because that there's something I could literally never ever be, right? Like I can't I will never have the Twitch reflexes of these guys. Oh and yeah. I, and I love it's it. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> uh, and and so I it's been fun. You know, I I've been trying to find new esports to get into. Recently just got into Smash, right? Been watching a lot of oh, Smash. That's a good one. And I love I love the fighting game community. I was a big Street Fighter Four player for a long time, so it's been fun to transition over that. Uh Plus, for anybody that's out there, I've been trying to get... I've been... <laughs> you, you'll appreciate this if you didn't see my tweets a while ago. My son has been playing Smash, and he thinks he's God's gift to Smash. And I tried <laughs> to tell him, I said, you need to watch videos. And his reply was, well, if I watch videos, then people will know what I'm doing. So why would I want them to know what I'm doing? Because they've watched the same videos as me. <laughs> so I said, challenge accepted, kid. And now I'm kicking his ass in Smash. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that uh, that only works once you get to a certain level of skill. But I do like the thought process. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I appreciate I appreciate it for what it is, but... I, 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 like I said, I'm like 50% on him right now. You know, you know, we're going one-on-one. And uh, eventually, I just want to make it so he never wins, so I can show him a video and say, just watch this, dude. You need to stop being a scrub. <laughs> I like how you're teaching him to be pro at games. That's great. Dude. I, I like it. What else, what else am I going to do? What, how else are we going to connect? <laughs> I got video games. I've been doing this shit for 11 years. Let's go. <laughs> so anyway, oh, before this all ends and whatnot, uh, where can people find you at? I mean, obviously, if they're listening, they know where to find you at, but just shout it out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm doing some interesting streaming projects recently too. So I'm kind of doing character streams, but there's, there's like, there's going to be a lot of characters. So I would just kind of keep an eye on that. It's taken longer to spin up because of my other obligations, but I think, it, you know, in the next couple of weeks and also after I'm done with flashpoint later this year, it should get super weird. Awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying that and we'll kind of see where that goes, where that, process goes um uh so twitch.tv slash monte cristo and then flashpoint obviously if you're gonna watch some counter-strike would encourage you to watch that uh at monte cristo on twitter it's basically that's basically that's basically it (laughs) Uh, okay so i had one other thing that you reminded me of sure you talked about adult esports right and apparently and i found this out i know the fighting game community is kind of like adult esports it's a little dumbed down but it's more adult esports but apparently like the the sports games like fifa 
and and all the 2K sure. stuff. It's like super adult oriented. Like we're having fights and people, you know, screaming at each other across the thing. Is there is Cloud Nine looking into doing that? Or are you looking into trying to go <laughs> in that direction? <laughs> well, it's not Cloud Nine. Like Cloud Nine is one of ten member teams that is part of the Flashpoint ownership group. Sure. Um, what we're we're not trying to get people into fights, but we what we are trying to do is have more adult language, have more adult themes, have more adult humor. Um, you know, it, it's like the UFC is not children appropriate. No, that's what we want to do. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, so I think it's going to be an interesting process to see what becomes of everything. But the reason behind this is, first off, it's what we want to do selfishly as people, um, because we're old enough to want to kind of be unshackled and have that kind of broadcast. But another part of it is every year, the group of adults, like you and I are on the older end, um, you know, the group of adults gets larger. So the audience for this content just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And that will just continue to be true because I think most people who are esports fans now who are in their late 20s or early 30s, I don't plan to stop being an esports fan in my 50s. It's just part of my life. Just like being a sports fan, an NFL fan is part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I enjoy. So as that group, as that cohort of people, like eventually adults are going to be the majority of the esports watching audience. And they already are, I think, technically, if you count 18 year olds. But I'm talking like people in uh, of 25 plus, let's say. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of market that we want to target now because it just keeps getting bigger every single year. So let's look at that market. Let's target that and see what we can do to build a fan base there because no one else is doing that. Everyone else is saying we want high school kids and college kids. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want working professionals who want to have a more unique entertainment experience that is more edgy, more banter filled. Um, so yes, we're trying to, we're trying to do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, as, as, I think as you will like it. Knowing you, I think you will like it. Yeah. I, I think that's the big thing for me. Having a 13 year old at home who watches a lot of the garbage that is out there that panders toward those, you know, age kids. I just, <laughs> I, I can't get into it. Like I got to monitor what the dude's watching. I'm like, I don't know how you as a 26 year old can pander to 13 year olds. Why would you not want to talk to people your age? Right. So I, I love, I love this project and I'm going to keep my eyes open, open for it and help others do as well. Um, but I think that's where we're going to end because you've, okay. you've, you've pretty much told your story here and I hope other people can learn from it. And I've learned a lot too. It's been a great trip down memory lane. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Uh, but guys, that's that's it. You guys can check out more interviews with Pone over at TrinityForceNetwork.com. Of course, find Monte Cristo at Monte Cristo on Twitter and go check out Flashpoint and all other things, guys. We'll be around with another interview next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to my new interview series brought to you by the Trinity Force Network. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash T-Force Network. If you have a question or a comment, you can drop me a line at adamc at trinityforcepodcast.com. For everything else, please check me out on trinityforcenetwork.com or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy all the shows that the Trinity Force Network has to offer.